Hey, welcome to the Runaways podcast. My name is Cody. On this episode, we're going to be talking about all the new spoilers. However, we're not going to do it like uh, probably how all the other videos do and go through every card one by one. We're just going to talk about the stuff that we're excited about, the heroes, how we want to play them from, you know, the first look, how we're thinking about building them. So, I mean, we're going to start prepping for Pro Tour next week. So we're kind of giving you a little peek behind the curtain of the stuff that we're excited about and probably working on for the first week, which should be pretty cool. Uh, today, I am joined by Dan. I'm also joined by Pat. And for the first time, I'm joined by Naib. Uh, I do have a quick story, maybe a long story about Naib. Uh, Naib and I, we kind of first met uh, playing on Icelander Mirror. I think we'd met a little bit before that. But the first game I really remember is we were playing an Icelander Mirror. He happens to be the only person I've ever tied with in any type of competitive event. Um, and when Dan, Lucas and I were all testing Icelander for nationals coming up and I played that game. And for some reason, we just like stalled out. We couldn't kill each other. But Naib played some like pretty technical lines on cards that I wasn't used to seeing how they were played. Um, and I learned like I think like two or three little tricks in the mirror that ended up kind of, I think, polishing like our in game uh, immediately afterwards. I, uh, when I had a chance, I went to like Dan and Lucas like, hey. Naib played this card and this card in this way, and it kind of actually worked out in his favor to get like a small edge that it like built up in the next couple of rounds. It's something that we should keep in mind for when we're playing our mirrors. And like our mirrors were already pretty good, but like adding some extra tech on top of that, I don't think the three of us ever lost a mirror like from that point on in Nationals or the Calling, um, which was pretty cool. Uh, and then when we got back, uh, I remember talking to the team and being like, hey, the next time we have openings in the team, we should really look at maybe recruiting Naib because I felt like he was a very good player. He had like an interesting way to build decks. Also, he had some good play lines and it was like, I'm like, why is he not picked up on a team yet? This is something we should look into. Lo and behold, after Nationals, we had a couple openings on the on the team. Naib was one of the people we, we reach out to for that. And here he is. So how are you doing, Naib? Hey, I'm doing well. It's a very long-winded intro to say, uh, hey, you're the only uh, jackass that uh, drew with me at a game. Uh, yeah. Not for a lot of <laughs> or not, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad to be your only one. Uh, I've drawn with multiple people, uh, maybe four or five at this point, but uh, happy we can give you your uh, one draw of uh, your career uh, and hopefully none more to come. Yeah, I mean, I notoriously play very fast to the point where it's been like, a job for me in the last several events to be like, I'm going to play slow. I need to play slower because I play way too quickly. Um, but yeah, uh, that was a, a cool way to, you know, first be introduced or first play. Um, but today uh, we're not going to you know spend a lot of time on the intro because I don't think we have a ton to talk about, except for we just got all our spoilers like, well, or most of them uh, that dropped in the last couple of days. Day one, I think, was disappointing to at least for me. Day two. I am fired up. Like, I am super excited to play some of these heroes. I am excited to hear what you guys think after looking through the spoilers. What heroes stand out to you right away from, you know, from the spoilers that we've seen? Uh, yeah, and I'll go at once. Yeah, for <laughs> me, uh, you know, you guys know that I'm a notorious lover of K heroes. And so for me, uh, Kasai and KO stand out the most. Uh, although I am quite impressed with the way that they've seemed to, you know, we haven't seen the entire set, but the way they've seemed to balance the set. Um, I think uh, Guardian will be strong. The overpower mechanic seems pretty strong in a set where there doesn't seem to be any D-reacts yet. Um, there are very few attack reactions from what we've seen. Uh, and so I think every class, uh, from the looks of it, has the ability to succeed, at least in limited. 
but from a constructed standpoint. I'm really loving KO just for the flavor, everything about that hero. Um, you know, the way that they've turned a hero that was initially, at least in Blitz, one of the highest variant heroes in the game into probably the most consistent brute we've ever seen. Uh, and then Kasai, uh, just a very consistent warrior, both in uh, her previous iteration and her current one. So I'm super excited about those two heroes. Yeah, I'll say that, that that right off the bat, the fatigue player in me is immediately looking towards Victor Goldmane. Um, I I know in the last time I was on, I was like excited for Betsy, but we haven't really got to see a lot um, of like stuff that it's like leading me towards Betsy. I, I know there's some cards like Trounce is another one that I'm excited for, but I really want to see Victor Goldmane in, in a fatigue style deck, seeing if we can get to work with Miller's Grindstone. Um, and trying to, you know, run people out of cards. Did, that's, did that's, see, that's the, the main thing that I'm excited for. Do you see Betsy's helmet? I did see Betsy's helmet, the chapeau. Um, I, I think it is good. Um, I, I, I feel like it is probably tough to compete with cards like, you know, the, the, uh, crown of Providence and like our other kind of the staples, but I'm certainly going to give it everything you know, a fair shake. It's not like we're going to, you know, just assume that it's not good enough, but just for the people who are listening in case they don't know off the top of the head, what the helmet does, it's good time. Chapeau. It's a Betsy specialization. Uh, it says action, destroy a gold you control. The next attack, uh, this turn gets when this attacks a hero wager, a might and a vigor token with them go again. It is a two-block temper equipment. This is a reusable ability. Wait, it doesn't destroy itself. Oh, it does no, not destroy so itself. Oh, it is, is the engine. engine. We got an engine. Okay, okay. That's it to the moon. You you can make so you can play any card you want, and you can make it wager. Okay, this card is a lot better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Than, than I gave it credit for because almost all those other ones were destroy effects to use their abilities. So I assumed yep. this one was the same. I thought so too when I first read it, and then I reread it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, hold on a sec." I, I, you're right; it's not in there. Okay, and it's temper too, right? Like that's really strong already. Yeah, so it can yep. block for two, and then still sit there, and then you can still use the effect to destroy golds. Yep, that means you can, you, but no you chance. can wager anything. It's not <laughs> even. It's not even brute. Uh, it's not even like guardian attacks. It's yeah, any attack. It could be a generic as well. Yeah. You can do it on a scar for scar. Like you can like literally just do it on anything. I mean, presumably you're going to be wanting to utilize this with in in con uh, concerted effort with Betsy's ability to mm -hmm. like actually go ahead and push through some hits with overpower and things like that. Um, okay, so these the wage gold is another one that like is going to be piling up now. Um, that one was not a card that I was expecting to be in that deck, but golds are much more valuable now. Yeah. Yeah, that was what I mean. Like, I was like, dude, the last, like, se several spoilers that we got, all of a sudden, like, opened up my eyes. Like, oh, this deck's good. This good deck has an engine now. Um, and we talk about them that goes mm -hmm. through. And then, like, obviously, if you see cards that you're, like, excited about, feel free to, to throw them out there and, and read them off for the people, mm -hmm. or I can do that. Uh, but, Dan, what uh, what mm -hmm. excites you right away from the... The I'm like kind of stunlocked from excitement. Like all the heroes seem really playable. 
to me and I just don't know where to start. And usually I like usually like one thing appeals to me. I'm like, great, I'll go all in on this. I don't know. I'm a little overwhelmed right now because they all seem pretty good. I'm probably just going to start with whatever the most teammates don't start with. At this <laughs> yeah, point. just make sure everybody hits everything. Yeah. So if anyone's been listening for the last several weeks, uh, there has been a not so subtle nod to the fact that I've been excited about Kasai. I will say after the recent spoilers, I am not excited about Kasai. Because um, I didn't get the fix to its problem, which is that it doesn't deal any real damage, and literally no blocking it is a viable strategy to beating Kasai. Uh, for people listening, this is recorded on Tuesday evening, so if all of a sudden some spoilers come out in the next day because we don't have the full set that resolves that issue, then I'm back on the Kasai uh, bandwagon. But for right now, I'm a little concerned about people just ignoring uh, a lot of its attacks, and I didn't see that issue resolved yet um obviously i'm still gonna play with it because the potential is still there but all of a sudden i have found myself very excited about olympia a car uh, the hero that i cared the least about in the entire set and now some of his cards have come out uh which have made me just start thinking about the hero in like completely different ways uh, and the main thing is like i think his helmet is very very strong uh, it's Prize Galia. Uh, it's an Olympia specialization. It's attack reaction, pay one. It says destroy this. Target weapon attack you control uh, wagers a gold token uh, with the defending hero, which would mean that it would also make a second gold if it hit. So if they don't block, you just sometime in the game, this means you will get two gold coins. It basically just guarantees it because like you just wait till they don't block and then the attack reaction, boom. It also blocks for two. It has temper, so you could block for three, but you, then you lose it. But you're going to block for two with it, and then you're going to use this later to get two gold coins, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I like the idea of this hero being a warrior hero, which I think has a lot of really pushed warrior cards. Like, warrior has great armor and has a ton of different weapons, and then it has a bunch of ways to support that. But the issue is it's always had to play around its weapon. But this time, we're starting to get attacks. And now you can play attacks that you have pumps for, that when the wager goes off, you get a gold token. And then he has like special, his, like his specialization is crazy. And he can play for his gold. He can play like double down. Double down is basically in this deck is a nimbleism. For people who don't know, double down is normally two costs, but it says you may destroy a gold you control rather than pay its cost. So it's cost zero. And then your next attack that wagers get plus three and overpower and then if this hero would create one or more tokens from the wager this turn instead they create that many plus one of those tokens so it would like get you two golds back as far as i'm i'm uh, i'm aware or maybe it's just one because you only get that off of winning a wager but um this create as additional it's basically a nimbleism nimbleism is already a good card it's nimbleism with upside it blocks for three even so you don't yeah, have also that downside three, yeah, yeah um and so like I'm looking at this and I'm saying there's a lot of compounding factors around him for such a simple ability that are letting you play warrior in a different way than you were played before. You get to actually play attacks that are on rate because he does have those that are coming out uh, that create additional value. But then he's the deck that gets to be tricky with attack reactions where you can actually make your stuff hit um, on top of that. The question is, what weapon does he run? Because he really didn't, yes. in my opinion, get a weapon. Um, so maybe you're running like Decimator Axe. So you have like 
double plans going on. You can attack. You can attack with your your axe uh, for the other rounds, which get you know pushes damage through. But he also like nullifies clash decks, which is pretty cool because he's going to have big attacks, unlike the most warriors. So he went from a, a deck I didn't care about at all to like I think this is the first guy I'm going to build. Um, nice. Just because I like the compounding value that he seems to have and his ability to like make your opponents guess on what what they can and can't do. Uh, and like when you have attack reactions, like take the upper hand that like really let you push anything like you can be playing command and conquers in your deck um, and like having this just zero cost generic pump that also blocks for three is just another one that synergizes with Olympia really well that I'm really excited for. Yep. Um, I mean, his specialization is crazy. So how, how crazy is his specialization? Like, are you casting it for zero a lot? Are, are you, are you paying into it? Like, so his specialization being a blue, in my opinion, is just like already broken because yeah. if your if your blue cards have this much utility, then they protect your hands when you get a four or five card hand that um, you typically wouldn't be able to do a lot with. These are like mana sinks for those hands that are like now it's even pushed. Like being able to dump three into this is like busted. It's, a, you know, essentially a plus three that creates you an agility token, a gold token, a vigor token, and then another what and then if you wagered you get uh, and then another gold token from his ability because you wagered mm -hmm. so like you're making two golds an agility a vigor and you get plus three um yeah and I like mean, so you're you're playing two cards for plus three as an attack reaction i think that you're what you said is the first thing is right the nail on the head is the the, the versatility of the card being blue and also blocking three and just like fixing your hands when you just overflow in resources but like at its like own rate it's not like absurdly above rate but it's strong it's just it how much value you're gonna get off these tokens yeah it depends how much you value the gold agility and vigor token right mm -hmm. like how much is that actually worth uh yeah. we don't it's really hard, know it's hard to evaluate those yeah it should be enough but like like these decks typically have issues with being able to play all their cards or being able to push a good a good decks like kasai is a huge problem with this it's one of the reasons why i was hoping for something to help fix this issue but it's like you get a five card hand and you're just like push seven damage unless you block. And if you block, I get to push more. And like, sometimes it's like push 10 damage, no on hits, except I make a gold. And like, that's not good enough. Right. Uh, I don't know about that. If you've, if you ever played Kasai and blitz, you know, the way that she's typically set up, she doesn't uh, rely on reprise effects or your opponent blocking nearly as much as you would think, you know, Kasai has always had a play pattern. And I think this play pattern has been maintained in the new Kasai hero identity of, you know, hitting with a weapon, giving a go again, and attacking again. Uh, the side player has the agency to choose whether she overloads the first attack or the second one. And I think that's where the trickiness of the hero is going to come in. And that's one of the reasons I think Kasai is primed to be a very tricky hero to play against. Uh, do you block the first attack and let her get one on hit, or do you block the second one letting her get another on hit? You block none of the attacks. Because you have 40 health and not 20 in this format, so you can literally take about seven of their attacks and you can output more damage than them. That's been my issue in testing. Yeah, um, no, that, that, so that's, really, that's really fair. And, but, you know, I don't think Kasai is trying to do that burst damage uh, immediately. She plays very consistently. She'll do, you know, she'll do seven on her turn, block, you know, eight on yours, 
uh, keep doing that until she's built up enough gold or copper, and then she gets an immediate huge payoff, right? Her new race and army specialization, it's just bonkers if you're able to crack, you know, five, six gold. Uh, your opponent's going to be, uh, you know, stuck having to deal with uh, six or seven mercenaries. Uh, if they're a hero like Guardian, what do you do about that? That's just, you know, continuous damage as if you're uh, staring down an army of dragons almost. Uh, the best part is those dragons are unpoppable, which is a really cool part of Bakasai. Yeah, and she has Crown of Seeds at home. Which is the boots. Block for one every round is a very strong, especially on like four breakpoints. It's just busted. Yeah, and it just builds into her kit of attacking twice with swords. Uh, the really cool thing now, I think, is you know, whereas you had to stick to Centauri Sabres in the past, they have so many options now, and that's for all the classes. There's just multiple options for one handed weapons. Uh, what do you guys, or are you guys excited about any of these uh, weapons? Uh, I know Ballbreaker is a crowd favorite. Uh, is there anything that sticks out to you guys? Ballbreaker is really good. It's like it's like really really good, especially for like Levia and stuff. Oh, because yeah. you, get, you, get, you so, can play a shield now. Oh. Yeah, you mm. can. You could. You can play the one, the generic one point armor. Um, I for Levia specifically, the card that is like really stuck out to me is Clash of Agility. Um, as just a a very good six power to like like on rate two for six card that has a very good chance of like when you block with it making that agility token so that you can make some four card hands or you know three card hands extend with your like really good curve of one and two. Yeah, I mean the clash cards are so the clash of my the clash of the you know etc. Those cards are great. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, assuming you can clash and win, right? Yeah. Like, assuming you win the clashes, but yes, I mean, we're presuming that you know you're going to be winning clashes, but it it it's going to be a thing now. Like, are you going to be bringing your poppers in in the matchups where the decks are playing clashes just to give yourself a better chance of winning clashes? It's it's going to be a really interesting thing to see how people approach this new mechanic. Yeah, how do we feel about this mechanic? You know. Uh... Um, at perfunctory glance, it seems as if the mechanic is built for these bigger uh, heroes or your brute. Uh, but you know, having watched a few games, it feels like you lose your clash like fifty percent of the time, uh, even if you're teched with you know these big beefy boys in your deck. Uh, I know Cody, you've uh, played around with a bunch of the new cards so far. Has that been your experience, or how does how does clash actually feel? So. My opinion is that if I could be the only, like, if it was not a Guardian meta, then Clash is probably the most broken mechanic in the game. Like, currently, it, like, feels that powerful. Um, especially when you're playing Victor and you're just, like, Clash, draw a card because I made a gold. And, like, <laughs> you're, like, doing all, like, the shenanigans. And, and like, that's, like, that stuff's busted. And when you're playing, like, in not in a Guardian meta and you're the only one doing it, uh, it's, like, way pushed. However, we're going into a probably a guardian meta, at least in some form, right? And it like self balances, assuming other people are trying to do the same thing you are. It's like this very like it's, it's way different than what we've seen with other decks, where they they can push it a little harder than they're supposed to be because it self corrects against like the field. There's several times where if you're just clashing and like flipping back and forth with your opponent because they also have big attacks, like it's not very good, right? Like you can't just be like your opponent can't just be winning your clashes. Uh, but if I was the only person allowed to play Victor, oh my god, the deck would just run things over, <laughs> in my opinion. 
I watched a I watched a YouTube stream of someone playing Victor. I forgot exactly who it was, but you know they're playing Victor defensively, like you would hold him. They're gunning him down. And what I noticed is that half their deck is D reacts, and they're losing clashes to ninjas because they're revealing D reacts off the top, and the ninjas like, here's my zero for two go again. Uh, I won this clash somehow. Uh, so I, I don't know. Like part of me feels like the heroes that want to use clash most uh, are kind of uh, anti uh, to that clash mechanic, in that you want to play D reacts, you want to play defensively but you also need big beefy boys to be able to win your clashes. Yeah. That's why the, the, you know, the clash of cards that are clashing and they are six power cards. Those are the ones that I think that are kind of free includes, like they don't really hurt your deck at all um, to include them. But I do think that there's like you said, talking about the certain point where you go past the, the number, like we, whenever we had to, you know, get our Starvo calculators out when we were trying to do our numbers for, you know, fuses, but we're going to be now getting our numbers out to be like, okay, how many of these non-attack cards can I even play in my deck if I'm trying to reliably win clashes? No, I agree. I mean, I, I think there are some cards though that, like the block four clash, make a gold card that just like it's so good it doesn't matter if it only hits fifty percent of the time. Right, like it draws you a card on it blocks for four, then draws you a card. It's like yeah, it's that's like a seven it's, point card. Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> disgusting, uh, and and yeah. it makes you a gold. Like you're not even accounting the gold. So mm-hmm. if you count the gold as a another as a card in a like it, it, as a resource, then it's like an eight point card, maybe mm-hmm. higher because the gold now has utility as well. So maybe it's more nine or ten point card when the clash mm-hmm. hits, which is mm-hmm. like on defense, which is disgusting, right? Mm-hmm. And its failure point is. It's blocked a blocked a snatch. It blocked four. four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Wait, it's, you... it blocked for four and gave them a gold, right? But sure, most times it's, it's not one sided, right? They get a gold out of the deal. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Although I guess if you're not a hero that's primed to make use of that gold, let's say a ninja wins a clash, mm-hmm. then you know maybe it's not the worst if they have that gold. Like, what are you going to do? I think that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you, I think the really shiny matchups where like the downside of your opponent getting your token instead isn't that bad. Yeah, like, what's a fly going to do? Pitch two reds to draw a card to fix their hand to draw blue? Yeah, I, I can definitely... Oh, it'll fix the blue hands, but yeah, those are pretty rare. Yep. The thing is, like, the reason I... Another reason I like Victor is he has the self-protection at the beginning of the game. So, like, clashes in the mid-game shouldn't matter because you should have a stack, like, some pile of golds where you can redo your clash in a, in a direction where it's pretty hard to miss twice depending on how your deck is. Sometimes you are going to miss twice, but because they gave him the new shield, um, that also counts as a gold. Yeah. Like if you block with it early, um, in certain matchups, like you'll have to, you know, obviously figure out which ones you really need to to work on your clashing for. But like you can block with it early, and now you have a backup plan. Anytime you miss your clash, you're like, oh, I really need to hit it here. I'm going to crack this now to go do that. So you, because you basically are starting with a golden play, without giving yeah, anything it- up. And the ability to reset your opponent's clash as well is is like I, I I when I originally read it I just was like oh and I only can reset my own clash but the ability to like when they flip one of their only sixes in their deck you're like okay no get go back go back <laughs> down to like normal levels please where you're you know you're not going to be really realistically going to hit me hit another six it's really strong yep except for when they play into other bra- like other decks with big cards in it yeah. and it's just like, then, like it's, it's a self-correcting be- problem right yeah i i mentioned it earlier but that's why i'm, I'm really in love with trounce uh already for um for victor 
Um, I think it's it's such a cool card. Like the double clash, it's like how like to put this card in your deck. It's only blocks three, so it's like you're not getting super value unless you win two clashes. But when you do, it's like insane value because you're also getting that vigor token and might token. I'm I'm really excited to try that. Put that one on the put that one on the table for sure. Um, and not to mention, he did get what I am calling the new Oakenold. Uh, it's not very, it's not as good as Oakenold, but you can't have another Oakenold, right? The math it, is the same math, though. The, the math is, well, uh, two cards. But it, it requires less cards. So technically, yeah. the math actually might be the same, uh, which is funny mm-hmm. because it, it requires a fuse. So, But the card we're talking about is primed to fight. It costs five normally, and it has nine attack and three block, and it's a Guardian card. And it says, if you controlled a Vigor token this turn, this costs one less. And if you controlled a Might token this turn, it gets plus one. And so the reason we're calling it an Oakenold is because if you had a Vigor at the beginning of the turn, the Vigor broke and gave you a mana, and then it reduced this by one, so it costs four now. Uh, one of that mana covers one of the four, and then you pitch a blue, you play this card, the might token gets added to it, so it goes from nine to ten, and then it gets a bump because you had a might to eleven. So it's a two card eleven, uh, which is it's pretty gross. Yeah, super good, right? And this is yeah, I this, mean, yeah. You're, it's you're the kind of card you like grow when it's played against you. Yeah, like you just I mean, did your like big twenty damage turn. They block three cards and it only took like four, and they're like, "Here's eleven." It's like what? Yeah, can't do that. Yeah, and to, and to Cody's point earlier, you know, uh, I think one of the reasons the math might be slightly better than Okanold is that because when you fuse Okanold, you have two cards left in hand, and you're usually just floating a card. And so even though it's a two card nine or two card eleven in Starbo, it's sometimes, uh, you know, it's just you're just floating a card. You never want to do that, you know. Uh, but here you just get two for nine flat. Uh, although, granted, you don't have the disruption effect. Um, it seems that it's way easier to set up. Uh, I know we're thinking about this as a Victor Gold main card, but if you look at the Betsy specialization hat, it seems to play exactly into that game plan. You know, every turn you just uh, try to wager them. You get a might and a vigor, and now you can just smack them with uh, nine uh, and then go again if you have an agility. Have you guys thought about the Starvo implications yet of this set? I feel like he's pretty good at wagering. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't, to be fair. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure he could easily insert some of these attacks into his deck without much difficulty. Yeah, it's like they gave... Starvo would probably be happy to have a gold, like, you know, just a random gold every once in a while uh, Mm. to use uh, Pulse Candlehold effectively. (laughs) Yep. They took away so many of his toys, but they gave him, like, a plethora more. They always do. Um, and not to mention when you have, if you're playing clashes, it's another, like it bumps this card, makes it better. You can block with cards out of your hand and you get the tokens that you need if you win your clash and then you play this and it's like, you know, that's so much value because you blocked block, got extra tokens because you blocked, like you didn't even do anything. Uh, I mean, you win your clash, but, and then you play this and you're just like, ah, <laughs> like th- th- it was like all of these cards got released roughly at the same time today. And I went from like, this set's like, meh, to I went to, oh, I see. I see what's happening here. This stuff is compounding in, into a way that's like pretty enjoyable. 
Um, do I think the clash mechanic is going to work right off the bat uh, for this set? No, I think there's probably going to be too many people playing big attacks in their deck to make the clash mechanic like super good. But it's like one of those things where I would revisit. That doesn't mean Victor's going to be bad by any means. I think Victor will still have a place because he can play fatigue and he can, you know, play in, in a bunch of different ways. But like, I would not expect to be like, I'm going to go clash people at, like at my first couple events going, you know, with this, because I think we're walking into a guardian meta or, you know, guardian brute type situation. Uh, so I think Betsy at the beginning is like a mm-hmm. little bit more exciting there because she she tries to make her on hits hit and then she can get that value. And then eventually, like six months from now, when like no one's playing Guardian because something came out, you're just like, I'm the Clash deck. Let's go. And then you're just like, I win all my Clashes. Mm-hmm. And it seems like if Betsy's able to get that helmet in limited, just having on demand overpower is just so powerful. Uh, I can see Betsy being a real terror in a limited format. Yeah, there's a lot of block three equipment at the rare slot, right? Okay. Well, we'll have uh, some YouTube videos coming out very quickly about limited, but the equipment's super interesting with like how many there are and the dynamic for drafting those and the impact of like having access to to blocking and stopping these wagers and that kind of thing. Yeah, and and the limited format seems like it's going to be very different than uh, Bright Lights because of all of the like intimidating and overpowering and like, I feel like we're not going to be playing. Yeah. And we're not going to be playing these fatigue, like, you know, 40 card decks anymore. Like, or we're going to be playing like true, true flesh and blood and getting back to basics and, you know, blocking efficiently and, you know, not just throwing my whole hand down and seeing if I can, you know, if you are, you're able to beat me. So I'm really excited about uh, approaching limited in a new way too. Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. I'm I'm loving it. I think you know the Pat's point. I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm tired of the last six months of null block equipment. I was doing an outsider seal the other day, and I got Widowmaker. Agreed. And I didn't have a single block equipment, and it just felt so bad. It's like, what is this fake format I'm playing in? This would never happen in real life. Yeah. It really adds so much agency. Mm-hmm. So there is a card that I like, um, but I only like it in blue, and it's down but not out. So for people who don't know, down but but not out uh, is, yeah, it is a three cost. Uh, and then in red, it has five attack. Mm. But I'm assuming in blue, it's going to have its uh, three attack. And it says when this attacks a hero, if you have less health and control fewer equipment and tokens than them, this gets plus three overpower. And when it hits, create an agility, might, and vigor token, which like for a blue like if that's a blue in your deck and it's generic and it's three block. And so like, that's a very strong blue to be yeah, able I mean, to throw. Bravo, in or, any uh, deck. Bravo, Bravo would love to slot that into like, you know, there's certainly plenty of other garbage blues that he plays that, I mean, doesn't have six power, but you're definitely going to play that over, uh, you know, your blue crush the weeks and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's ability is great because it gets the plus three. Now, we only have access to the red, so if that plus three goes down, I don't think it will. If it goes to yellow or blue, it should still be plus three. Uh, typically, the effect doesn't change like that. Uh, only the yeah. The usually, they will. would have this the attack go down, not the plus go down, presumably. Yep. Right. So, but it's still a five. It'd be like a five over overpower. So it's a blue five overpower with three on hits. It'd, it'd which be, is like it'd be six overpower, right? Uh, it oh, it'd be six. Down. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You're very, very strong. Yeah, it's it's even nuts. better. 
That's actually Maybe a there red. is no blue. Maybe it's that, only a red card. No, it's a rare. I mean, it's a rare, but that doesn't necessarily mean they, they've they've shown that they're willing to do rare in the generic as, slot. Uh, yeah, maybe less than the generic and, slot. And but. if you look, and if you look at, there's only two cards behind it before it goes to uh, wage gold. Ooh. So the two cards behind it should be the yellow yeah. and blue version I, of it. I, yeah. I, no, I, I think that's a good sign. Sense. Yeah, it is that's a good, good investigating work right there. I yeah. forgot that it was going to even be a six. It's on rate. It's a blue on rate card now. If if yeah, the effect gross. goes off with an on hit. Like that's a sick blue. Yeah, it's super good. It reminds me of um, uh, what's that card from Welcome to Wraith? Gains a uh, plus four and go again. Mm-hmm. If it's the last card in your deck. Uh, uh, one of my last, last, uh, last ditch. ditch. Yeah. yeah, I should know that. It's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite cards. Uh, this is what this is reminiscent of. Yep, I have a card I have to talk about. Okay, please. It's by far the card I'm most excited about. It's called Knucklehead. It is a. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> it is a brute equipment head, KO specialization. Uh, it has temper two, so you get three block value out of it. But it says, action, destroy this, roll a six sided die. Until end of turn, your base intellect is the number rolled. Uh, this card is literally everything I could ever want for my KO cube. Um, currently, the way I do my cube, there's no hat because nothing really like fits the vibe of the cube correctly. Um, but this card's perfect. It gives you block value to like extend the game. So when your opponent rolls like three sixes in a turn, you don't get OTK'd as often. Um, it tempts you to like do this super high variance play of rolling for intellect, where if you roll a one, you're probably just going to die. Um, but the best part is even if you roll a six, you're still going to be super tempted to roll scabs on your turn because you have to make use of all these cards you have now. And if you miss your scabs roll, you still just kind of wasted what you did i think this helmet is trash yeah i don't know how good it is but we did talk about uh dan it's, uh, it's perfect for my cube though well i think for cube that's that's one thing but we did talk about ready to roll inside of cc you asked for another card on board that could use a dice roll i said is two this... per turn okay two per turn not not, not like two at one point in the game no i'm not really into like, that i don't know okay. Uh, if you played like two copies of of Ready to Roll, you could find a turn to maybe weave this in and have two chances at getting a five or six. It's like potentially. So I was only wanting to talk about this for Cube, but I do think there is potential for some like weird combo plan where you are planning to just play towards Ready to Roll and distance six intellect when you have like a Berserk and Arsenal or something. But I don't think you need that, right? You probably don't. What I don't know. I just I just want to see ready to roll in CC because I think it's hilarious that that card is legal in CC and it will actually some, yeah. maybe have some application. No, I do too. But I'm very thankful for Knucklehead. This is like the perfect addition to my cube. So I mean, I, I, what about uh, different brute equipment? The Apex Bonebreaker um, that is mm. just a straight upgrade to all brutes. Levia players rejoice around the world. Ethan's uh, Lego. Uh, video spoiling this just had me so excited uh it was a great if you haven't watched it you should definitely go watch it on his channel um but this thing is just a straight upgrade to the brute slot for arms i can't wait to put this on the blocking some command and conquers and getting absurd value out of this equipment there's just so many good numbers in this set like it's it's crazy like i feel like the past couple sets it's been like a bunch of these like one card five value cards that you have to like work really hard for and like 
cap was always five. And I was like, I don't want to work for five. And this side is just like, no, you get five for free. If you work for it, you get eight. It's like, great. Do card 11. Why not? Yeah. Remember when spring load was a bomb in a set? <laughs> that card is so disgusting in Jeff. Yeah. We were excited <laughs> to play spring load, like very excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this card is solid. Uh, it's a... Uh, but uh, the, the one drawback is by playing this card, you give up the ability to roll as freely as we would in the past. And so in a way, it inadvertently fixes the variance problem in Brute and that it disincentivizes you from rolling. Uh, from yeah. here on out. And that's all I want. Yeah, no that's true. You're just, you're just like putting out this extra thing. And it's not like you could not have Goliath Gauntlet in your deck or um, Gambler's Gloves, excuse me, in your deck to, you know play in different matchups but it's like when we're playing cards like cloak of darkness or Claire grasp of darkness to block this card is just way better <laughs> i mean brute just has a fridge now i never thought i'd see the day oh yeah mm-hmm. you know, C- cody said the knucklehead everywhere yeah cody was saying the knucklehead is trash but like I-, I was thinking you know how spoiled are we this is a card that blocks three without any text remember in the first set when arcanine skullcap was like the best card ever this is just mm-hmm. like on rate better than that you know, not to mention, uh, this is just every judge's least favorite card in the world. It's like you just finish giving a guy IP2 and then he just rolls, goes back up to six cards. Uh, OP, dude. Well, it says your base your base intellect is changed. So I believe if you had an IP penalty, it would change your... Yeah, you, you get minus one on whatever you roll. Yeah. So you could have a zero hand size if you rolled, if you had, if you had an IP2, if you rolled a one, you could have a zero intellect and just die. We should probably touch on the new generic legendary, right? The scale. The it's balance. a hot topic. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. The balance of justice. Yep. My take is pretty uninteresting. I think if you find a way to draw a card, then that's better than Crown of Providence. It's the wanna, best helmet. You want to read the card for the people at home? Uh, y- can someone else read the card? Yeah. it's So it's a two-block generic headpiece. It has the ability instant, destroy this, draw a card, Activate this ability only if an opponent has drawn two or more cards this turn. And it has a new keyword, guard well, that says when the combat chain closes, if this card defended, put minus counters on it equal to its defense value. So it will basically block for two and then immediately go down to zero. And then it still sits in play. So if you're comparing it to Crown of Providence, you will be able to, instead of cycling your arsenal to draw a card to block on your opponent's Art of War turn, you can just, if you've already blocked with this for two, you can then destroy it, draw another card to block on their crazy turn and get pretty good value. I think that it's going to be a very good card. I'm mm-hmm. excited to put in, like, it's very good in fatigue decks, I think, so. I think the flexibility is a big factor where you can block on a different turn than you're getting the effect. Like, that's actually a really big deal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, drawing a card is definitely stronger than filtering. In most cases, when you're just blocking with the card, it's kind of whatever, but... I'd still rather have an extra card and an arsenal. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not a Command and Conquer coming at you, you'd much rather just draw the card than cycle out your arsenal for a card. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're giving up the Command and Conquer protections huge, and there are some decks that are probably still going to be dependent on Crown of Providence, like Vincent comes to mind, where, like, you actually just, like, fold the whole game if you don't draw the thing you need for that turn, so he probably still always runs that. Mm-hmm. But card seems good. Not to mention it's uh, shred-proof. Uh, if it gets shredded, it just goes back up to two defense when the combat chain closes. Uh, is there any? Is there any like cheeky things you can do with that? I uh, 
like you're talking about shred, but is there any way that we can lower its own defense value on our turn? I, I don't know. I'd love to see us take advantage of that. But can you shred your own equipment? What does shred say? It's a it's a de- attack reaction, so there's no way you can play that during your opponent's turn. So oh, true, 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 true. Yeah. But, but wasn't there wasn't there a guardian card that gives you plus to your equipment? There are a bunch of those, but I'm forgetting there are some guardian cards that give you back block value. Yeah, they, you need it to give you negative block value, though. Yeah. I don't know. This is what we're thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say another card that I think is unique that we haven't seen before and also pretty strong is Commanding Performance. Uh, it is a warrior action. It costs one. And it says your next warrior attack, this turn gets plus three. So not just weapons, but any attack. But it has to be a warrior attack. Until the end of your turn, your warrior attacks get when uh, when this is defended by one or more attack action cards, destroy a card in the defending hero's arsenal. So you play this, you play something with an on hit, and you say, block it and I take your arsenal. It's like really good. And it's a plus yeah, three. It doesn't even need to hit. It just says if you blocked, if you defended yeah. with an attack, like usually these are always gated on the fact of you need a hit, but this is not like one of the few i think one of the first cards we've ever seen to have a when this is defended trigger like this yeah i mean and it's gross no like we, you can we play saw one earlier when well. we did our spoiler reveal though that's true the um agile enhancement or engagement or whatever yep we don't, we don't need to talk about that card <laughs> uh, <laughs> it also blocks for three which is also important yeah in this card. it's very yeah. very strong in that well, one. you, you can use it in like a weapon build um, as well as like I could, well, there's not a ton of slots for stuff like this, but like even like old Dory would like. Yeah, I was gonna like, say Dory would love this, right? Would yeah. like a punish for like blocking them. Mm-hmm. They're like they have like a counter, and they're like, Meh. and then you're just like, block. I lose my arsenal, and then like mm-hmm. that's a big deal. But but yeah. even if you're just playing like Olympia, and you're like this wager, ha- this has a bunch of wagers piled onto it. Here's a plus three. Do I get all my wagers or are you going to also lose? And you can't just give it one card. So if you have like one useless card in your hand, you can't just now just be like, I'll protect three health. Like you, it literally can burn a card from your opponent's hand because they can't just be like, I will protect for three. Oh, I lose my arsenal. So they're either blocking the whole thing out and losing their arsenal or they're not blocking it at all and giving you all your on hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the other thing too, that it's nice if, if you, it's, it's all of your attacks. So if you're dual wielding weapons, like, you're not immune to the just the first one. It's the it's on both of them for the rest of the turn. So if you have a way to give your weapon go your first weapon go again, they they just can't block either weapon now if they want to keep their arsenal. So yeah, I think this card is like Codex, and that LSS is like, hey, every warrior deck just got a little bit better. Play this yeah. card, though it does have, if I understand the card correctly, it does have the issue that Cody mentioned earlier with Kasai that if your opponent has no interest in blocking, it's just the plus three, right? Yes. It is just a one for it's three, like, yes. That's not very good. Yeah, it's better when you play it onto something that has on hits, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you're playing Dorinthia, every one of her attacks is an on hit if, if it has go again. So, like, that's where it's really going to shine, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it would count for the weapon, like, on both. So, both attacks. Like, this is, a, this is a really nice setup to be like, you're either giving me your whole hand. So, like, she already has, like, a pile of cards that when she plays them... Your opponent's best play is give you my whole hand this turn. Yeah, like this is like another one of yeah, yeah. Like, 
glistening and and the draw two and several other ones. Mm-hmm. This is another one of those cards where you play it and you're like, am I getting two counters? Or like, am I getting a counter this turn? Or are you giving me your whole hand and your arsenal? Like, it's like another one of those threats and she needs those to be able to play through Guardians. Yeah, Immovable is really good against this though, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's like hard counters. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care. No blocks. Yeah, do you react in Arsenal, hard counters yeah. this? Moving on. Well, sink below, not really, right? Because it's when you defend, you lose. When you mm-hmm. defend with an card, attack right? action card. When you defend with an attack action card. So yep. Yeah, yeah. So if you can't, like, cover the attack. Or, yeah. yeah. If you can't cover with the sink alone, then sink's kind of stuck there for a turn. Yeah. And yeah. presumably you won't be able to because it's going to have plus three. So, yeah. Yeah, speaking yeah. about... I think blown up arsenals uh what do you guys think about this nasty surprise it seems like uh we're finally getting counterplay to all these disruption effects uh i'd love it and the spoiler and everything around that card i was just super hyped for it i woke up in the morning i'm like yo this card is really cool the art is amazing the art is like so cool it's like you're literally like what is that i don't even know what that is and it's a (laughs) surprise i I love it (laughs) it's a surprise for the people who don't know and let me uh, read tenacity. I'm 100% testing in fire. Tenacity. Yes. I, as a fatigue player, I am terrified to play against tenacity. This card is going to get so much value. It's going to be like a zero for seven, like in a lot without like doing a lot of work against fatigue decks. Um, if you catch them on the right turn and it's really not a lot of downside for the card. I mean, it's a yellow zero for two, which is like pretty, like a little bit below rate, but if they block with one card, it's back up. So, Yep. So Nasty Surprise, like for the people who don't know, mm-hmm. is a blue yes. zero cost, uh, and it is a generic. And it says, when an opponent's effects puts this into your graveyard from anywhere, create an agility, might, and vigor token. So think Codex, think Pummel, think Crippling Crush, in, in, any of these discard stuff abilities. Um, even if it, it could be off the top of your deck as well. Miller's Grindstone. Yeah, you just get all three of those. It blocks for three, it has two attacks. So that's nasty surprise. Tenacity, uh, which we talked about as well, is a yellow pitch, zero cost, and it says when this attack uh, when this attacks, it gets plus X attack, where X is the number of defending cards on the combat chain, um, and it has two base attack and three block. Yep, and that's and a equi- they're both well. like hmm? that's equipment included. Yes, it does yep. include equipment. Yep. Yeah, sure it does. They're both like the five special. You want zero cost, attacks for two, that triggers Shuko, and block for three. And like these have huge effects potentially. And like one of the issues, like the Bravo matchup can be tough at times for Fi. And like I think even just resolving this once, the the discard effect, I think could completely swing that game. Um, and being able to like sometimes on your big Ardivore turns, I think Pat mentioned this earlier, your opponent likes to block out. Where if you just hit with your Phoenix Flame and they blocked like five cards and you get to have pouncing links to pull in. I forgot the name of the new card. Oh, cheer up, it's cheer like, up it's like eight damage. Oh, it's so yeah, gross. Because so like, yes. you can't block the whole turn. You don't have cards yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to try them. Still and, not uh, high and five because there's no like consistency added, but I knew yellow's a little bit of consistency. Yeah, it definitely screams a Dan card to me. I can see you playing this and be yeah. like, thanks for blocking, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <It's just straight laughs> what is uh, like both of these cards are great in Katsu as well, potentially as mm-hmm. well, right? Because they're zero cost cards that turn on Kadachi, block for three. They're zero cost that they can discard to go search. Like, 
I don't know. Katsu seems like it could also use these cards very well as uh, just ninjas in general, just being able to use this mm -hmm. very, very efficiently. Yeah. What is the, Dan, what is the other yellow card we have currently, which is like every time you hit, you get plus one. Salt wound. Yeah, salt wound. So this is the opposite of yeah. salt wound. So yeah, now you play one of each. So yeah, you play one of each, and now you're just screwed. What are you gonna do? So like, if they no block it, you go <laughs> grab salt. eight value out of one card at some point. Exactly. You grab salt wound if they no block it. If they block and they put all their armor, they're like, oh no, he's gonna salt wound me. Let me block everything. Then you're just like tenacity, and you're just like, no. Okay, I think I lied at the beginning when I said I wasn't excited about any heroes. Or I'm excited about all of them. I'm only excited about Fi now. <laughs> <laughs> you're screwed. Oh wait. Does this possibly make it so that your helmet gives you like six, six to eight now for five almost every time having multiple different targets, no matter what your opponent does? Well, you so always get six. That's always a guarantee. You almost. Yeah, you basically always get six. Lava but, burst mm -hmm. is like always the easiest one to trigger. For yeah, that but I think this is saying like you're probably getting seven or that's, eight. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like six to eight. Like it actually yeah. ups the value of the helmet now because you can more consistently get like an eight power attack. Yeah. Um, even if your opponent like goes crazy, it blocks everything, right? Oh, I hope they do. Oh, yeah. Masking. And you can't really block all the Phoenix Flames is too many. Like one or two copies of it. Like you play, you know, one copy of this and two copies of Salt the Wound and like there's not a high penalty for including this card in your deck. I mean, it's a it's yeah. a three block. What more can you ask for in five? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think the best part is I think these are better for Emberblade than Kadachi Fi, as well. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Salt the wound is better for Kadachi, whereas Tenacity is probably better for Emberblade. Yeah, and these notably don't say ninja. And plus, we haven't seen the ninja card yet in the yeah. There's two secondary of them. slot. We haven't seen. Yeah, we have not seen any. Wait, no. is, that, is that a definite it, that we're getting? No, it could be Mech, right? It could be two ninja or one ninja, one mech, I believe. That, that feels so weird, though. We just had a whole mech set where there was no card that wasn't a mech. Oh, there are some cards mm. that weren't mech. But. Yeah, but poor Max needs, uh, needs a little help. <laughs> He's got 40% win rate on Talishar. <laughs> Dude, they're not Tech just Max for another help. year. What's uh, your yeah, I said, uh, but we're definitely getting at least, w well, more than likely getting one ninja card as well that we haven't seen. Presumably, yeah. Presumably. I hope it's not so. wax off. Again, <laughs> I hope it's okay. a little. Okay, anything else uh, that you guys want to talk about before we get into some of our Discord questions? Uh, there's one more card I want to just briefly talk about that I really like is Talk a Big Game. Um, it's a Brood and a Guardian uh, card for zero, blocks for three, it's a blue. You choose a number, and the next time you do that much or more damage to a hero, you create that many might tokens. Um, I love this card just just like because of the mind games that it presents to your opponent. Like, um, like if you choose like four, and then your opponent is just like, okay, I am you know not going to block you. You've made a blue block three be a zero for four, um, and then like in the late game, like you kind of make this card turn into like winner's bite as well. Cause like, it's like, if you're, if they, if they don't have any equipment, then it's like, I'm going to like have my one card trade with your one card. I don't know. I'm, I'm super excited to test this one out. Um, How much does it cost? I think it has zero. Yeah. Just cost zero. Okay. Um, and like, it's another graveyard fill for Leviah as well. Um, 
and Lavia has a lot of good blues, uh, but this is another one I think could be a um, a powerful, uh, versatile blue that you can include in your deck. The only thing that I'll, like Bravo is probably not going to like this card because it costs zero and makes Anathos worse. But there's a lot of Guardians uh, in this set now that don't care about Anathos anymore. So I think this one will be a nice second cycle card uh, that you can get great value out of and make your opponent block when they don't really want to block. Yeah, I was really hoping that it cost two or three because then you could like pretend that you had pummel at all times. Because like if you if you wagered like, oh, I'm going to hit for four and there'd be like, oh, does he have pummel? Like I like so screwed if he like if I block this and he pummels over it. Uh, for four, and then they can overblock and dag all the mind games. But I mean, because it costs zero. Like, I mean, if you're rep- if you're repping a pummel, like, and you name like eight, like, what are they going to do? Like, they're not going to not block, and then they so they block for three, and then they get pummeled, and they lose another card on top of it. Like, because it they're afraid of might tokens. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, this is a a pump. It's not yeah. an attack reaction. It's, it's not a, an it's attack. A, it's a, yeah. yeah, it's a non-attack. So that was the like, part I missed. Yeah, yeah, it's buffing your next attack. Any, oh. any, it, it doesn't even buff necessarily attack. It just says the next time you deal that much or more damage this turn. Oh, but, I like it even more now. Oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of pummel, so like if you have go, if you have go again, then like it's hitting both of them as well. So it's like I don't know. I, I really think that this one like can potentially be like very very nasty. Yeah. Speaking of pummel, it's worth pointing out that this is the first set where we've had a guardian card, guardian attack action that costs two. And so if we have a seismic surge, yeah. we can always bluff a pummel on uh you know a six for one with two floating, or we can play a six for one off a tunic. Uh so I I just think those cards being guardian cards and being two cost are just phenomenal. Uh maybe not in one of these decks, but Definitely in you know something like Valda and Blitz, like I, I'm just super excited for the implications that we have there, uh, where she can just play super on rate cards with uh, seismic surges, have more draw uh, engine, uh, and I'm sure um, these cards will find their way into some brews over the coming uh, months. Agree. Okay. Uh, well, I am excited to start building with these heroes. Um, I'm sure Talishar will be up. up up to date soon and uh we can play with them in their partial state uh because i need to get some olympia going though i'm just sad that we don't have a spear i think he should have a spear you know what if that's the fabled do we think the fabled is going to be some kind of weapon can we, can we or have we no. seen all the legendaries yet it's good no. it's gonna make no, it's no, gonna no. make all there's the one tokens. legendary remaining there is Oh, yeah, we have one one of each class and a generic, but the the guardian legendary is a specialization. Oh, interesting. So it could be generic, it could be guardian, it could be expansion slot even, right? Guardian warrior spear? Is that what we're getting? No. Uh, I, no. I hope so, but I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm really bummed out at the lack of spears in this set, honestly. All the art has I hope it's just another it? silly KO card. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe it's a KO gem. You just roll a, a D6 when you pitch it. <laughs> make, and make that many reeks. make that many reeks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. You just roll a D6. <laughs> that's the only effect. Just roll the yeah. D6. I would be so happy. Okay. 
So next we have some podcast questions. This is asked by members of our premium Discord. Uh, if you would like to ask questions on the podcast, feel free to join the premium Discord. The link is in the show notes below. So the first question here, coming from Millen, is do you think in the, the past few sets, legendary equipment text is more like something that would be printed as a majestic? I did see this idea floating around in Twitter a little bit that the current uh, legendary equipment that we've been getting is stuff that we would normally have gotten at the majestic level. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Is is it happening? Does it matter? What is there an example that or I'm just trying to like. My first thought is like we got spoiled with Crucible of War because those majestic equipment were legendary quality equipment, right? They like changed how all the decks at that time functioned. Like Dread Scythe or something like. No, 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 like uh, Courage of Bladehold, like okay, Scalata. Okay, sure, sure. They're usually, um, they're usually like, I think it's usually destroy equipment are like Majestics, mm. and then Legendary are like reuse equipment. That's how they kind of used to do it. Or they were break equipment that was like way pushed. Think of like Husk or something like that, right? Um, but for the most part, it was like, you know, Tunics and... and um, your Arcanite skull caps and stuff like that, which were like things that were reusable or had some reusability type of component to it, uh, was in like a legendary slot. And then anything that broke, like most of the things that like would just blow themselves up were majestic slots. It seems like since we've powered down the game, I think they've uh, just gotten rid of that formula. We really don't have stick around cards anymore for the most part. Like Shuko is another good example of like a legendary. Yeah, I think Uprising like was the last time. Around. Yeah. Because like Coronet Peak too. Yep. But I don't think this is an issue. Like, I just don't think yeah. I don't think it matters, right? As long as the cards are playable in the legendary slot, that, I think that's really all that matters. I think it's a financial issue, I think. Like, people were, I think, bummed that legendaries are now, like, 5 to $10 cards, potentially, where Majestics are, like, 50 bucks. Yeah, it, it is. I don't really is. care either way, but I understand why you no, would. I, I think I think that affordability is something that they're definitely taking into account with the amount of times that they've reprinted cards and the just sure numbers of cards that they've created. But I, I'm not super concerned about the rarities of my cards that I'm playing when I'm building my decks. Um, so I, it doesn't really bother me that much. But like, as Cody said, like the like there's there's a rare like build around uh, Betsy headpiece now. Like, I mean. I because that card was a rare, I assumed it destroyed itself. Like it was like those are the types of things that we're thinking yeah. about. But but like it shows that I don't think that LSS has any necessarily tie to you know keeping that as the way they're going to continue to make their cards. I think, I think they're trying to balance it around draft. I think I think they're I think yeah, they're yeah. pushing draft, so it's like powerful yeah. like uprising, but not the generate go second win game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all for it. I think this is the first that we've had in yeah. a while where the equipment are just like super impactful. I think the last we saw was maybe, uh, you know, uh, re- equipment that were reasonable to get were probably in Monarch with um, the equipment, some of them, the arm pieces being bombs. Uh, since then, they've been fairly generic, not really as impactful unless you somehow pulled a, a flame skill furnace in your draft. Uh, I've seen someone pull a no, I've seen someone pass a flame skill furnace at a golden pass. Golden pass flame skill furnace. He passed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I it's still three would that draft. It's still three would that draft. Yeah, that's that's wild. Um, but here, I think we're the equipment are meant to stay, and we're meant to draft around them. Not only equipment, but weapons as well. Uh, that new parry weapon—that's a really cool mechanic we haven't seen before. Uh, just really cool. Um, you know, 
not main deck uh, play patterns that we're seeing, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, next question here is from Ham. And with all the specializations that have been spoiled, which is your favorite? And what do you feel is the strongest have most potential? Favorite's got to be Knucklehead, right, Dan? Yeah, not close on the favorite. It's Knucklehead. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no. Um, I really yeah, like, the strongest is hard to answer. I think I really like Golden Sun. I think Golden Sun is really powerful um, for Victor. Um, you have the the on reveal a clash draw card if you win the clash, basically because you're going to be creating a gold on your opponent's turn. And then the actual attack itself is pretty strong as long as you have a seismic surge or a bigger token, and you, because you have the the new shield giving you a gold this is going to be you know a two card 10 overpower a lot of the time um it is a yellow which is kind of a downside but i don't know i'm really excited for this one i think it's going to be really strong for victor that i think i think the question is asking specifically about the specialization hats oh that's hats. In, i'm sorry oh is it hats yeah i thought i thought i thought there was specialization in general my apologies mm. same i also thought the I mean, same yeah. thing all of the hats are really good. Prized Galia is my favorite. We talked about it earlier. That's just mm-hmm. the, a reaction. It's just so annoying. It's always annoying when the deck's just sitting there with a thing that they could do at any time. And like you're like, no block. And they're like, okay, I'll take two gold, please. And you just like, set that off to the side. I think, I think the best has got to be the Chapeau. It is like... Yeah, yeah. that's where I'm at, too. Yeah. The build around, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Chapeau's gross. It doesn't break itself. Like, the fact that... Pat thought it was bad because he assumed like it is, but it wasn't. <laughs> Means it. But it still yeah. blocks for three, even That's if it, I mean. or it blocks yeah. two and then breaks itself. To be it fair, everything that LSS has made lately, this would normally have broken itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's shocking. That's what, I mean. like, That's what I get not reading the card. But I just yeah. assumed I knew what it did based on you know what, what it normally would do. But no, and, and, the... and that's totally what everyone reasonably would think. But they printed a legendary equipment in a rare slot, which is super cool. It's like the first time I read Warmongers. I was like, wait, there's no way this does what I'm reading. And then I messaged the team like four times, like, guys, please tell me if I'm crazy. I think Fry's broken. And Fry wasn't broken, but the card was. Is Monstrous Veil playable outside of uh, Limited for Reinar? The Battleworn 1 action, destroy this, draw a card, and discard a random card? I mean, you're competing against Scaling Fleshback. That's just, that's probably the best element in the game. Yeah. I mean, I'm just it's a trying draw to draw two in yeah. Berserk combo, right? Yeah, that that that's what a Berserk. Uh, it, can he use utilize this in Berserk? Like, it's it's a lot better than. So it's draw a card rather. Yeah, it is just just mm-hmm. I you know it blocks for one and then it will draw a card on your Berserk turn. I can definitely see that. I mean, if 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 there's an aggro game plan where Reinar KO just wants to go Berserk, you can play this. But if they need to play, well, it is the Reinar Reinar specialization. Unfortunately, oh. I, I think this card would be great mm-hmm. if it was if Ko could play this card. Because oh no, Ko, they thought about it. Yeah, yeah. seems like yeah, <laughs> seems like it would be great for Ko. But uh, unfortunately, Reinar specialization tagged on that one. Maybe it's a OTK Reinar Blitz equipment. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so it's I an extra intimidate, it. right? Yes, it is also an extra intimidate. Presuming you hit, but yeah, just turns zero kill. Oh, it intimidates. That's so good. Maybe you play the, yeah. this going. Uh, first or sec- second, and the other helmet going first or second. I don't know which one's better, but uh, yeah, this seems decent. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question here from Fighting Maloon. I think this is a pretty good one. It says uh, People often say they lost a game because they drew poorly or their opponent drew hot. 
What are some things that top players do to win games, even when they hit bad at deck variants? I saw this question earlier today, mm -hmm. and I, I was trying to think of how I would put an answer to it. But it a lot of the times, it's just like matchup knowledge, I think. Like knowing knowing the matchup inside and out, and like knowing your path to victory. Like even like when you draw like these, you know, what, what Fina would call a cursed hand, you know, where you, you draw this like, you know, unplayable hand and you're like, okay, what does this do for my long-term plan? Like, you know, I'm going to be behind for a while. How, how, how am I going to be able to like find a spot where I can try to turn the corner back and get the momentum back in my favor? Um, and it, it happens, it happens a lot more than you think where like you're trying to navigate these hands Um but that's the one thing that I love about Flesh and Blood is that, like, I, I hardly ever hear, you know, after after games are over from people on our team, at least, because we're kind of evaluating the game a, like, very different level a lot, a lot of the times, is that you don't hear, oh, I got so unlucky this last game. It's, it's always like, man, what could I have done better this game? Like, like what, what, what decisions could I have made, you know, to, you know, maybe give myself a couple percentage points to maybe win the game? when you do lose. Yeah, I think correcting that mindset enables you after the game to identify what you could have done differently and do that the next time. But also like, I feel like if you're having the mindset of like variance is always a big factor, you're probably like clouding your judgment a little bit for how to play out of bad variance. Um, besides that, like to Pat's point, it's like you play to your outs, like understanding all of your outs really well and like which is most likely to lead to winning when you're down variance is like huge. Um, an easy example is like Max. Um, you could be getting completely beat up on, you're like about to die, but all you have to do is assemble this stupid suit. Just like keep blocking until you find it. And if you get in the suit, you might just win the game just because you played one card. Yeah, I think that's one thing that drew me to this team. Uh, you know, most folks here just have really good mental. Uh, and that's something that I think separates, uh, you know, good players from really good ones. Uh, I've never seen really good players get salty about their losses. Sure, there will be games where, you know, your opponent literally high rolls. Let's say Reinar rolls six for like 10 turns in a row. Uh, but, you know, that will happen. And then you'll get one of those games at some point in your life. So overall, it bounces out, you know, and this is a game and it has variance, albeit less variance in other games. It's unavoidable that your opponent will, one player will draw harder than the other player, you know. So you can't expect going into every game for you to draw equally as good as your opponent because it's just not realistic. Uh, what really sets apart good players is being able to take that moment, reset, and think about, you know, as Dan said, what is my path from here to winning? And one thing I've seen players that are maybe not have a strong mental is they would just forfeit once they were like, oh, no, my opponent drew the nuts, it's over, uh, GG. But, you know, this game rewards uh, resilience and it rewards playing until the last uh, drop of blood, uh, so to speak. You know, and so if you're able to play it out, uh, there are often chances where your opponent will make a mistake and you'll just win. And this is a key uh, component that I've seen in the best players in this game. And uh, anyone who thinks otherwise has not played at high levels and witnesses themselves. Probably Michael Fong is, I think, uh, the best uh, resilient uh, player that I've seen this in. Uh, like, I've seen him just, like, lost totally, like, no way to win and just keeps playing. And then his opponent makes a mistake and then he wins. Yeah, I'm going to take a, a slightly different approach to this. Um... First of all, most top players don't play decks in which they just straight up lose via variance. 
it's why when you hear a lot of like the top level players say that the deck's good, but they're not going to take it to a tournament. For example, you hear Dan always talk about how Phi is like decent, but like he's not going to bring it because Phi is a variance deck. And Phi is a deck that it doesn't matter how well you play in some cases, you just lose to the variance of the top 20 cards of your deck. And top players are just not going to play decks that function that way. Um, I, I like, and for example, that's why it's not a surprise that that Phi won worlds. But when 40 people in the room bring Phi, there's going to be some Phi players who don't run into, they run into the opposite form of that variance. And when you take decks like that, you're asking the world essentially, hey, can I be one of those people who runs in the top level variants for the tournament? And most consistent top level players are not going to be willing to take that risk that they're just flipping their tournament chances into a, a variance. And that's not to say there's no skill in Phi. There's 100% a lot of skill in Phi. But when you're playing at the top level against other top level player players, you're trying to reduce your deck variance as low as you can in order to play perfectly and have that like work out to making getting uh, getting you wins so a lot of top players will then dra uh, uh, gravitate towards consistent you know good decks so that that is one of the ways that that players will avoid having just i lose to variants they will not play variance decks the other way is they just lose to variants so uh that is like a, a thing that top players do it's why you see them not top every event or win every event sometimes you just lose the variants I will say this, if you're not playing at the highest level, you should never consider your losses to variance. Uh, and this is like a different type of mentality. Once you get to a very high level of play, it's like the only times you can kind of consider that you lost the variance. Uh, other than that, you should have the same mentality of, hey, what could I have done better? There are there will eventually you will get to a skill level in the game where you will look at your game and say, there is nothing I could have done better. But. For most people and yeah. most of the time sure you will never get to that yeah. point yeah. like it's a really hard spot to be in and i i think yes. that there's maybe one handful of people in the in the game that play that to that ability right now there's not i will say that. i would say almost everyone here has that ability just not every game you will 100 yeah. have games sure. that you play to a near perfect level mm -hmm. but do you just lose to variance and that is acceptable right like right I mean, I will say my, my world's run and people have heard this. Uh, I have I lost uh, it was six of my in-game flips with uh, um, with Icelander. Right. So I'm attempting to kill them and they had a they had a way to stop me on all of them. I ended up losing like five Icelander games. They're like ridiculous. Um, but like stuff like that happens. and That's fine. There were some things in those games I could 100 percent have done better. But there were some of those games I felt like I played at like max level even with like people watching and stuff, but like it doesn't happen every game. Right. And you never want to consider all of your losses or variants, but you will have to get to a point and just accept that sometimes you just lose the variance, especially if you're playing a variance deck. Mm -hmm. um, I may just be super lucky, but I don't think I've ever walked away from a game where there's nothing I couldn't have done differently from that game. Yeah. That's the way I approach it is, is like, there's gotta be some play, even if I won the game, like what could I have done? Like, to you know get into like a little bit of a better advantage that's where i'm always evaluating like and and if you're having it game like you know like dan said if you're if that's the mindset that you're in when you're leaving a game a lot of the time step take a step back and just like you know put yourself outside yourself and like look at it from a top-down view and be like okay if i'm an outside person looking in you know 
you know, why am I just upset that I lost or, you know, and trying to find something to blame or am I really, you know, making a step to better myself in the future and like really, you know, evaluate the game on a, you know, a different level. It's also like when you're thinking that way outside of the game, when you're in the game and losing, you're going to be like, hey, what can I do better right now? Because I'm winning this game. Like, I don't care. Like, how do I figure this out? (laughs) You're you're not going to give up because you have that mindset. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm never you're never doing it in the game. But true, true analysis at the uh, after the game, you will have to find somewhere you played close to perfect or near perfect or mm-hmm. to the human limit that you could expect to play perfect. Yeah, you're usually are, choosing oh, like coin flips, right? At the top level. Correct. Yes. Where it's like, sometimes this is right. Sometimes uh, this is right. Yeah. I, I chose wrong. Um, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there, always. There yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're in those spots where it's like, you know, I could play around, you know, pummel here or I could, you know you know, assume that he has it, you know, you're like, am I like 95% of the time I'm going to, I'm going to lose the game if I make this play or 5% of the time I'm going to win if I make this play, like, you know, in your, and then if they have it, they have it, you know, they're in the wrong spot. Like I know that happens a lot in our spots and you're, you're taking the higher percentage play. Um, and yes, there's something you could have done differently, but you know, you're still playing to win rather than to not lose. So yeah, and it's worth pointing out that this is a game where you draw up to four cards every turn. It's not like some other games, like you know, you I know Yu-Gi-Oh gets a lot of hate, but Yu-Gi-Oh is a game where you can lose on turn zero. It's a very high variant game. You draw up to your hand, and then your opponent can just play, uh, you know, a set of cards that just locks you out of playing the game. This is not such a game. You know, this is a game where there's a turn cycle, and every turn you're faced with a decision, and so you have agency over the game, regardless of how hot your opponent rolls you know, at least to some extent. So I think complaining about variance in this game is uh, far less excusable than in a game like Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, although yep. that game sound harsh. No, I definitely agree. No, I, yep. I also am saying, I, I'm not saying my uh, my world's run, I play perfect, because that is not accurate. But there were a couple of games that were very close to what I would consider um, close to perfect. Um, but that happens. Like, that's normal. I think... Every tournament I go to by, and I think most people on teams goal, besides just winning, is like, I want to play perfect. Like, I want to look back at my games and be like, I didn't make mistakes, right? And a lot of those tournaments you win are the ones where you do play close to perfect and your mistakes are in the games you won and not in the games that you lost. Um, The ones that are obvious mistakes, there's different levels. And it's like a very... It can be a very like in-depth topic to talk about, but there's like different levels of mistakes. There's like legitimate mistakes. Like yeah, I played the turn punch, wrong. You've got, you've got blunders and then you've got, you know, ticky tacky, like very yeah. se- sequencing errors and like things that are, you know, not yeah. so different, you know, but like there's like game play errors that are going to lose you the game. And, and that's what I strive for when I'm playing is like, I do not want to make a punt, you know, that like a game, a, a decision that costs me the game. That's my goal. When I sit down at every tournament, I do not want to have any of those, you know, when I play the game, playing perfectly. Sure. That's a, a great goal to aspire to, but realistically, you know, especially if you, you know, are still like getting good at the game and, you know, learning and getting better, that's the one that I think that is a more realistic goal for, for probably 85% of the players playing the game. Yep. And then, yeah, I agree. Like don't punt. That's like, that's like the, the biggest one, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's easy to say, but yeah, it's yeah. easy to say, but I agree. Those are like legitimate mistakes. And then a lot of the mistakes are just like, they could be little things. They could be like, I blocked with the wrong card here. If I had kept this one, like, that's like a small mistake, but it's an identif- 
you can identify that. And then like you talked about before, there's the judgment mistakes where you made a judgment call and you, it's really hard to determine if that judgment call is correct or not. Uh, and a lot of that comes from knowledge of the game. Sometimes you'll make a judgment call of like, hey, I can't block pummel here because if I block pummel here, I lose the game. But that might not be always right. Some I've heard I've played against people who say, uh, I just have to assume you don't have pummel here. I can't win if you have pummel here. Right. Like even if I give you my whole hand and in my head, I'm like, you could probably still win if you gave me your whole hand here, depending on what happened. Right. There are situations where that is 100 percent the case. You can't play around pummel. You will lose if you play around pummel. But it's like getting to that skill level to be able to differentiate all of those. That's like something everyone is practicing and striving for. And so like that's a different level of mistake that you might not even be aware. You know, your unknown unknowns that you're not even aware that that was a mistake that you made. And so um, that's why the game's great. And that's why, you know, there's always something to grow and get better at. So but that was a great question, I think. Yeah, I, I was playing against a Bravo opponent once. Uh, some of us know him. Well, I'm going to change names uh, in a competitive game. And I was playing Lexi and they went Command and Conquer in a very suspicious way. And so I got the read that they had the pummel most likely. So I gave them the full hand. Then again, on the next turn, they went Command and Conquer again. And I gave them once again my full hand. And I was rewarded because they had the pummel. Uh, I won the game, and after the game, they claimed that I won because of variance by guessing that they had the pummel in Arsenal. And I was like, dude, I, I was pretty sure you had the pummel in Arsenal. Of course I'm going to give you my full hand if uh, my Arsenal is important to me. Uh, so, I, you know, a lot, that's to say a lot of times people claim that there's variance when there really isn't variance. Um, and so, you know, it's un important to understand, like, when variance is actually variance. And just to end on this note, I think one thing that uh, to me was really uh uh, impactful was something Dan said recently, you know, after every game, he just sort of takes a breather, goes and doesn't talk to anyone, just like mentally resets. And I think that's what's really rewarding in this game. You know, after a game, if you experience variance, don't go and co complain about it to your friends. You're only going to get deeper into the hole. They're going to be like, yeah, man, you got variance. Game sucks. And then you're just going to spiral out of control. If you just go, you know, wash your face. If you need to. What was that, Dan? I was saying, do it once if you need to. Tell one person, like, oh, I got so unlucky. But then you got to cool off. Right. You got you to gotta reset. Yeah, just go take a nap, do something, and then, you know, just play the game again. And if you do that consistently, I think you won't face the variance problem uh, anymore. Perfect. Okay, next question here is from Clads. It says, any interesting cards or combos that pique your interest that have been revealed so far? We basically covered that the entire episode, but I did still want to give you a shout out for asking your question. And then the last question here is, says, if you had to punch Victor a gold main, uh, what attack action would you do it with? Big bop. Big, big bop. bop. Big bop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think the ob most obvious one is a race face, right? I mean, that's got to be like the, the one that <laughs> just that's on brand, right? <laughs> I would not. I would not hit him. Victor's great. I loved Victor. Uh, the fact that he dresses in like all gold, I, is is awesome uh uh back when i played dnd i had a character very much like that that was uh all gold plate he would cast shine on himself he was a healer like it, he reminds me of someone who's like pompous but he was actually like, terrible at everything that was like the whole character but like so i love the full gold i wish i wish he had a full set of armor and every single piece could be substituted for a gold I, that's what yeah. I thought they were going to do when I saw the shield. I was like, oh, he's going to get a helmet and it's also going to be a gold and a chest piece. And that's also a gold. And like, I thought that would be, that'd be great. Flavorful, flavor wise, that'd be awesome. I don't know about power. wise. Yeah, it'd probably be too powerful, but still. There's always future expansion <laughs> slots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right? Just win enough events that you can gold foil out his entire equipment slot. Yeah, there you go. 
My yeah. answer? I would probably throw a mysterious meeps at him. <laughs> Some meeps? Yep. Some meeps? Hit him with the meeps. Well, great. Uh, I think we had a great podcast today. I'm excited to start playing with these new heroes. Uh, speaking of which, I think I'm going to go build some Olympia. So we got to go. Goodbye. See you, everyone. Here. See y'all. Have a good night. Yeah, we're getting rid of the envelope Seven here, but, um... envelope we could do here is go ahead and play the envelope. Uh, all three pitches of envelope and darkness.